Well, good morning. As Kevin mentioned, we're continuing our series called Messed Up. And in this series, we're not talking about people who messed up their driving directions or messed up a recipe. We're talking about people who messed up in big ways. And as we look at the messiness of their lives, these men and women from the Bible and the choices they made, there's so much that we can learn about God. There's a lot that we can learn about ourselves. And there's a lot that we can learn about what to do whenever we mess up. So I'm excited today because you're actually gonna hear two stories, two stories that I've been just pumped for weeks that you're gonna hear. One's from the Bible and one is from someone in this room. And while these two guys lived many years apart and experienced life in very different ways, they had a lot in common. And one of the things they have in common is that they both have a pretty messed up past. And maybe you'd say that's where you are today. Maybe this statement would, re would, would resonate with you. I've got a past and I don't know how to get past it. Maybe you've caused serious pain and harm to another person. Maybe you've caused serious pain or harm to yourself. Maybe someone has caused serious pain or harm to you. Some of those things may be known to a lot of people, they may be known to a few people, and perhaps some of those hurts and pains are still kept secret. And because of the messed up things that have happened in your life, you, you may have a tendency to think or say things like, God doesn't love people like me. Or maybe you've said, I'm too broken and damaged for God to want me. He, he wouldn't want anything to do with me. Or maybe you've thought or said, not even God could forgive my sins. If you knew what I've done, if you knew where I've been, the choices I've made, not even God could forgive those sins. Maybe you've thought, I've messed up my whole life, I'm not even worth saving. Or something that I hear in various forms all the time is I'm surprised this church didn't collapse when I walked in. If that's where you are today and you look at this list and you feel like that connects with you and you'd say, that's where I'm at. I feel that, I think that, I've said that. I wanna tell you this morning that I'm so glad you're here. I've been thinking about you and praying for you for weeks and you are why we exist as a church. And I know this today might not change everything but my hope and prayer is that you would at least open your heart, open your mind, and consider the possibility that God could love you, that he could forgive you, and that he could put your life back together. And today, if you're here and you look at this list and you say, hey, that was my past, but now I am a believer and I have been changed by Jesus, but you know someone who needs to hear this message and they're not here with you, I'd love for you to grab your phone and text this link to them right now. Theridge.church slash live. We're live every week, we're live right now, nine and 11 o'clock. Shoot them this text and say, hey, we're about to hear some stories, some stories that are messy, 
but stories who ended up meeting a merciful God and it made all the difference. So feel free to shoot that text right now. So let's look at our first story this morning. It's actually uh, gonna be a guy named Paul and he's always been one of my personal favorites. And in summary, Paul was a really smart, really zealous religious leader. In acting out of ignorance, he did everything he could to try to stomp out the early Christian movement. But Jesus, after his death, burial, resurrection, and return to heaven, made a special appearance to Paul and changed his life. Years later, Paul was reflecting on his past and his experience with Jesus and where he was. And as he reflected, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write some words to a young leader he was mentoring. And these are the words that we're gonna focus in on this morning. From 1 Timothy chapter one, Paul is inspired to write this. I give thanks to Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he has considered me faithful appointing me to the ministry. And here's his past. One who was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an arrogant man. But I received mercy because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief. And the grace of the Lord overflowed along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them. But I received mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. And then he sums it up this way. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God be honor and glory forever and ever, amen. So Paul's reflecting on his past and his experience with Jesus and where he was. And if I were to summarize what Paul is saying, I think we could say this. I'm a sinner who was saved to serve Jesus. Paul was saying, I am a sinner and I'm the worst one, but I've been saved by grace. And now I've been called to serve Jesus. So we're gonna look at each of those this morning, being a sinner saved to serve. So first he says, I was a sinner. To sin simply means to miss the mark. Uh, several years ago, my wife and I, uh, it was actually our honeymoon in the Poconos, and we were excited to see that they had um, some bow and arrows set up for us to use. It was kind of an adventure kind of place, horseback riding, and, and I remember you know, drawing back that arrow and you're, you're aiming for the bullseye, that's the mark. You draw that arrow back, and if you miss the bullseye, you've missed the mark. That's the idea of sin. You miss the mark, you miss God's mark. You do something that's not his way. That's a sin, to miss the mark. So why did Paul view himself as the worst one? Well, he points to these three things. He was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an arrogant man. 
So blasphemy simply means to use profane, irreverent speech against the name of Jesus. Instead of praising Jesus with a hand held in worship, like many of you were doing this morning, lifting up his name, praising his name, acknowledging who he is and what he has done, he would raise his fist and curse the name of Jesus. That's who Paul said he was. He would curse the very name of Jesus. He also said that he was a persecutor. Now after Jesus went to the cross and was buried, rose again, returned to heaven, the the church began, Christianity took off. And we see as the church began to grow, they came under intense persecution. And in Acts chapter seven, it's the first time that we meet Paul. And in, the, in Acts chapter seven, there was a young man named Stephen who had become a Christian. And because of his faith in Christ, he was going to be martyred. He was going to be stoned. In Acts chapter seven, that there was a young man who stood and everyone put their coats by his feet and he stood by to approve of this murder. That was Paul. In Acts chapter eight, verse three, it says that he ravaged the church. He would enter house after house, dragging off men and women and put them in prison. He was a bad guy. In this persecutor word in our vernacular today, we might say, Paul was a terrorist in the fullest form. Just picture a husband and wife who'd recently became Christians, recently had their life changed by Jesus Christ and they're in their home and all of a sudden their door gets kicked open and Paul comes barging in and grabs them by the neck or by the hair, dragging them out into the street, having them arrested and then killed for their faith. That's the kind of stuff he did. He was a persecutor. And then finally he says, I was just an arrogant man. I was an arrogant man who acted in pride, who thought I knew it all. So I think if Paul was participating in the Olympics, if sinning was an Olympic sport, I think Paul's saying I would get gold medal every time. Not silver, not bronze. I would get the gold. I am the best sinner. I am the first sinner. I am the worst of them. That's how Paul saw himself. But thankfully, he didn't stay there. He wasn't just a sinner. He was saved. He was saved by Jesus. And maybe you've heard that word. It's kind of a religious term. But to be saved simply means to be delivered and rescued from the penalty of your sin. It simply means that you've been delivered, you've been rescued, that you don't have to pay for your sin, that Jesus did that for you. And when Paul said that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, he was simply restating what Jesus said his mission was. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus made it crystal clear what his mission was. So the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. 
Jesus didn't come to be a good example. Jesus didn't come to, to give memorable messages. He came to salvage sinners like you and like me. In this saving that Jesus offers, he did it for Paul in the most extraordinary way. We're gonna read about this in Acts chapter nine, this experience that he has with Jesus. And mind you where he was, Acts chapter seven, he was standing approving of this young man being stoned with rocks because of his faith. In chapter eight, we get this picture that he's dragging off men and women for their faith. And then in Acts chapter nine, it says this. Meanwhile, Saul, and I'll just pause real quick, Saul was his Jewish name, he was a Roman citizen, so he also had the name Paul. So Saul and Paul, same guy. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, the way of Jesus, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. So picture the scene. He's leaving Jerusalem on his way to a town called Damascus with the intent to grab those Christians by the neck, drag them back to Jerusalem where they would be arrested and killed. He was on a mission. And as he's going, this light flashes Verse four says, falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So picture the scene, the light flashes, he hits the ground, and then he hears these words, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So he's trying to get his bearings, he doesn't know what's going on, and all he can reply with is, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Verse six, but get up and go into the city where you will be told what you must do. If you read the rest of that chapter nine, you'll learn that he was blinded from the light of Jesus. He went blind. And he was led to Damascus. And after three days, his eyesight returned. His physical blindness, his spiritual blindness was gone. And he was able to see Jesus for the first time for who he was. And when his eyes were opened, his heart was opened, he received Christ. And he was baptized as a symbol of his faith. Being saved had nothing to do with Paul. Paul was on his way to grab more Christians to be killed and Jesus rescued him. Jesus saved him. In another book of the Bible, Paul was reflecting and he was inspired to write these words in Ephesians chapter two. It says, for you are saved, delivered, rescued, you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is God's, say it with me, it is God's 
gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. One of the most common ideas of being saved or being right with God is that of a scale. And maybe that's how you view it. That if at the end of my life, my, my good outweighs my bad, that I'm gonna get in. That if I, if I go to church and if I donate to the, the, the food drive and if I'm a good parent and an honest worker and, and I don't get too many speeding tickets or, or if at the end it weighs out that I will be accepted by God. What Paul is saying is no, 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 no. It has nothing to do with your works. You could never do enough to earn it. It's all grace, it's all a gift from God. And not only that, Paul knew he was saved as an example. Our passage continues that he received mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. Paul knew, I am going to be the best example of someone who can be changed. I went from the worst to being a servant. And if God can save Paul, he can save you. And that was his message. If God can save me, the worst sinner, he can definitely save you. No one is too far gone. No sin is too great. God can save anyone. So Paul was a sinner who was saved by grace to serve Jesus. And let me take you back to verse 12. I love how he begins this passage. He says, I give thanks to Christ Jesus our Lord for three things, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, anointing me to the ministry. So his heart is filled with thanks when he reflects on where he was and where he is. And first he says, I'm thankful that he's given me strength. You see, Paul was given a huge job to do. He was tasked with taking the good news of Jesus to the entire known world. They didn't have planes, they didn't have cars, so he had to travel by foot, travel by vote in very difficult conditions. And if you want a glimpse of what he went through, read 2 Corinthians chapter 11. It's a fascinating chapter of scripture. And in that chapter, Paul shares that he was beaten, he was stoned, he was arrested, he was shipwrecked three times, he spent several nights in the cold with no food, and there's so much more. But he said, I thank Jesus because he has given me the strength. In Philippians chapter four, Paul is inspired to write this, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul was thankful for the strength. Second, he was thankful that he was considered faithful. That Jesus would trust him to share his message. He couldn't believe it. I mean, you can almost hear him saying, but don't you remember what I did? Don't you remember? That was me. That was me who kicked that door down and dragged that woman out by her hair. That was me. And now you're considering me faithful? 
You're going to trust me? You're going to give me the opportunity to serve you? Can't believe it. And then finally, he's thankful because he was appointed to the ministry. He was enlisted on Jesus' team. In Acts chapter 26, another great chapter, Paul gives a little more detail to his blinding experience on that road to Damascus. And these are the words of Jesus, Acts 26. For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen and what I will reveal to you. I will rescue, rescue you from the people and from the Gentiles. I now send you to them to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that by faith in me they may receive forgiveness of sins and a share among those who are sanctified. That's what Jesus told him he was gonna do. And Paul could not believe it. He could not believe it. He's saying, look, I'm a sinner. I'm the worst. You're not gonna find someone worse than me, but I was saved by grace. It, I had nothing to do with it. I was on my way to hurt more people and Jesus shows up and saved me. And now I get to serve Jesus. If God can save Paul, he can save you. No one is too far gone, no sin is too great. He can save you. So over the last few weeks, this message has just been stirring in my heart and I was just thinking and praying how, how we can just kind of put some flesh and bones to this story. And um, a friend of mine came to mind and in just a moment, uh, we're gonna spend some time talking and hearing his story. And, and as you hear this next story, I just would say find yourself in that story. It's not gonna be the same story, but I think you can find yourself in his story this morning. So I'd love to invite my friend Harry to come up on the stage. And as he comes, would you welcome him this morning? What's up, my friend? Hey, Good to see you. Well, hey, man, thank you um, just for your willingness to share. Um, been looking forward to our conversation. But before we jump in, maybe just uh, give the folks a chance to get to know you a little bit. Um, some interests, hobbies, things like that. Uh, I work a lot. That's, that's the main thing. But, like, I play hack sack, love going to the gym. And, you know, everybody loves Netflix. So, you know, I watch a lot of Netflix. A lot of Netflix. Chance. Gotcha. Me too. <laughs> You said you were like nearly a professional hacky sack player, right, at some point? Uh, when I was a kid, yeah. I mean, awesome. I could still move, but not like I used to. <laughs> <laughs> so you grew up here in West Virginia down near Beckley. Uh, but after your folks split up at a young age, you and your mom ended up moving to Long Beach, California to be with your grandmother. Um, you were a cute kid, by the way. Look at those yeah. dimples, man. Um, yeah. As you went through that time from moving to West Virginia to Long Beach and your folks um, splitting up, what was that like for you just in that season? I was rough. Uh, I moved out to Long Beach with a thick West Virginia accent and uh, you know, the kids didn't really respond to that too well. Um, 
basically got beat up a lot, got in a lot of fights. It was, it was rough. It was nothing nice. So fast forward to your teen years, uh, your young adult years, and you had learned to fight, defend yourself, take care of business. Um, you got mixed up with the wrong crowd. Tell me about that. Well, Long Beach is um, full of gangs, full of drugs. Uh, LA is one of the gang capitals of the United States. So it was a slippery slope, and I ended up sliding down it and getting involved with things I shouldn't have gotten involved with, and it was, it was rough. Uh, just, just slid. Yeah. So one day, um, you were sharing that you weren't home. Someone broke into your house, stole from you, found out who they were, and um, I think you described it as 13 seconds. Yeah. 13 seconds that you um, just beat him severely. Yeah. So what happened next after that? Well, um, he uh, basically, even though he broke into my house, he went to the police. He was, he was pretty badly beaten up. They came and picked me up. They knew who I was. Um, I was in jail, and the DA came at me, and they were like, we're going to give you life. Uh, luckily, I was blessed, and I got 14 years at 85%, which at the time, I definitely didn't look at it as a blessing at all, but now now I do. Hmm. <clears throat> so you're, you're in prison, and uh, you were angry at God. Oh, yeah. Just um, full of hate. Oh, yeah. But through that process, began to study other religions to try to find some answers. And through that, discovered that Jesus Christ was the real deal. And um, he came to you oh, and man. saved you, man. Tell, tell us about that and the change that experience. Well, Jesus actually came to me. And um, basically, I think it's easier for Jesus to forgive me than it was for me to forgive myself. And for me to forgive the others that, you know, like the, the person that I hurt. Uh, yeah, I forgave him. I, I've, I've lightened myself, my load. I'm no longer angry, I'm no longer full of hate. Don't have that in me anymore, and that's all thanks to Jesus. He, he, he really lightened me. He forgave me, and likewise, I did myself and others. That's awesome, man. And uh, after that point, the chaplain kind of took you under their wing and gave you the opportunity to, to do a two-year religion degree that you graduated with, yeah. and we've got your graduation picture here from prison there on the left. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know um, that lady on the, the right is pretty specialty, and she's here this morning as well. So. Um, yeah, that's my mom. She's one of the few people that had anything to do with me, took care of me, you know, sent me um, packages and money. She, she really came to visit me like almost every weekend. She loves me a lot. She really does. She loves me a lot. I appreciate you. So you get out 2015, you move back to West Virginia, and uh, you're staying with when, within one week, three or four different people invited you to the Ridge. Oh, yeah. And uh, you came, you got plugged in, and were baptized in February. And uh, we have this, one of my favorite pictures from the February baptism, uh, right here in the water with uh, you and Kevin. Uh, man, when you, when you look at that picture, which you look pretty buff, by the way, you mentioned the gym. Yeah. <laughs> when you look at that picture, um, and you remember and reflect on what Jesus has done for you, what message would you want to give this morning to someone who's just 
convinced that God can't love them, can't forgive them, can't change their life? Uh, no, Jesus will forgive you. No, there's no doubt in my mind on that. It's, it's harder to forgive yourself and it's harder to forgive the other people that have hurt you. Uh, but Jesus has you. Jesus just has you in his hands. And uh, I, I, in that picture, I feel triumphant that I've overcome. And it's with the power of Jesus that, that I have overcome. So it's, 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 it's just the way, it's the way it is. I don't, I don't know how any other way to describe it. Well, man, I, uh, I've shared with you in private and I'll share, share publicly. Um, I am so thankful for what God's done in your life. Um, even since your baptism, I've seen God continue to change and shape you to become more like Jesus. And last week, I was sitting right up in that upper deck area, and we were having communion. And uh, I looked down and saw you were the one pushing that communion cart to serve, and I lost it <laughs> just to see what God has done for you. So. Uh, this morning, I, I wanna give you a chance to clap because I feel like you probably want to, but I, I would say as you, as you clap and thank Kerry, not just thank him for sharing, but really let's give God praise for what he has done to change his life. So, can we do that this morning? band um, is on their way out and we want to play a song for you it's called rescue story it's very powerful and this morning if you've already been rescued you've been saved you've been delivered from the penalty of your sin you know that you're forgiven and you know where you're going as you hear this song I would say just let it fill your heart with joy knowing you have nothing to fear Jesus has you you've been saved and today, if you'd say, I've not yet been rescued, I don't have that experience. After this song, I'm gonna come back up and just offer a simple prayer that you can, you can express to God from your heart to be saved today. So enjoy this song.
You never gave up on me You were my testimony never gave up on Paul. He never gave up on Harry, never gave up on me. And he's not going to give up on you. And I know there are many of you in this room or you're online and you've got yourself convinced that because of your past, God can't love you. He can't forgive you. He can't change you. That's not true. He can and he will. And I'll look forward to when we see that picture of you with your arm raised. So this morning, if you're ready to be saved, to be delivered, to be rescued, I'm gonna offer a prayer and it's not the, the prayer that saves you, it's the faith, the trust that you're expressing to God. So if that's you this morning, I invite you to pray with me in the own quietness of your heart. Let's pray. Dear God, I've messed up, I've sinned against you, and I can't fix myself. I believe you sent Jesus into this world to die on the cross for my sins. I believe that he rose again three days later, proving that his payment for my sins was accepted by you. Today, I place my trust in you for the forgiveness of my sins in the gift of eternal life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for rescuing me. Help me serve you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.